Good morning. Glad you're here. Would you please pray with me? Oh, Holy Father, we bow before you in humble adoration. We thank you for calling us your children, your sons and your daughters. Father, we thank you for sending your son, that good shepherd, the great shepherd of the sheep. Father, we pray this day that you might feed us. We are your sheep. Father, would you encourage your people? There's much darkness about us which can discourage us. Oh, Father, encourage us. Build us up in the most holy faith. I pray that you would bless our fellowship and that our prayers and our praises might ascend before your heavenly throne like sweet incense. Oh, Father, be pleased with the praises of your people. Exalt your Son, Jesus, this day through our worship. We pray in his name, in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Brothers and sisters, there is much darkness about this day in which we live that can be discouraging to the people of God. Please open your Bibles to the fourth gospel. The gospel according to St. John, the Beloved. Chapter 1. By God's grace, my desire is that you might be encouraged this day. We'll read one of the most beautiful and powerful passages in all of Holy Scripture, the introduction to John's Gospel. What Bible scholars often call the Johannine Prologue. The prologue to, the, to John's Gospel. Please stand with me for the reading of Holy Scripture. The beloved apostle writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light, that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world. And the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of Him and cried, saying, This is He of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for He was before me. 
And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of Holy Scripture. You may be seated. Well, our text for the morning is there in verse 5 of the prologue, where the beloved apostle writes, The light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The New International Version translates John's Greek as, The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The English Standard Version renders it, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Net Bible puts it this way, the light shines on in the darkness, but the darkness has not mastered it. So, listen, the Greek verb that's translated as understood, overcome, mastered, is kataleben. And it only appears in the New Testament one other time. It appears in the Pauline epistle to the Romans, chapter 9 and verse 30, where Paul writes, What shall we say then, that the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained righteousness, even the righteousness which is by faith? <clears throat> in Romans 9.30, kataleben is translated attained in the KJV, in the ESV, and obtained in the NIV, in the net. So, obviously there's, there's a lot going on here. Lexically, English synonyms are take, overtake, comprehend, seize, understand, possess, attain, obtain, overcome, master, even some have suggested conquer. Light has not conquered darkness. Now listen, beloved, if, if Holy Scripture is God-breathed, if it's inspired, then John shows exactly the word that he wanted to use when he wrote this prologue. So if it's difficult to translate, that's our problem, not his. So the question for us is, what does this mean? What does this mean? Well, from hearing all those synonyms that we find in our lexicon, it seems that the idea is complex and multifaceted. Indicating that the light John describes here, listen, is neither understood, meaning it's not comprehended by the darkness, and the light that John describes here is not overcome, not mastered, not conquered by the darkness. Now, I've told you before that when you hear a sermon from me, it's already been preached. Because I preached it to myself before I preached it to you, brothers and sisters. So here's an idea I've been having to remind myself of lately. Darkness cannot overcome light. 
Darkness cannot overcome light. And darkness cannot even understand light. Jesus of Nazareth said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John 8, 12. He said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. John 9, verse 5. Now, from reading that Johannine prologue and from these other claims by Jesus in the fourth gospel, we can say with certainty that the light in view in John Chapter 1, verse 5, the light in view there is none other than Jesus Himself, the capital L, light of the world. In the Johannine corpus, in all the writings of John, light is always juxtaposed with darkness. It's light versus darkness. God versus Satan. Truth versus lies. Christianity versus paganism. Jesus versus the fallen systems of this world. There's always a juxtaposition in John. And listen, over and over and over again in the New Covenant Scriptures, a brilliant victory is declared. Let me remind you of something, saints. This world is not our home. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. We're looking for a better country. Yes, a country much better than Texas or America. Like those saints of old, we desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called our God, for he hath prepared for us a city. Hebrews eleven sixteen. Now, listen, through progressive apostolic revelation documented in the pages of Holy Scripture, we now know much more than those faithful saints of old. We do. Now we can understand that this world is not our ultimate home and that we, according to His promise, who's? His. Jesus' promise. We, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. 2 Peter 3, 13. Keep that text in mind. You're going to hear it several times this morning. Now, brothers and sisters, think with me. When the pagans of this world say, you Christians, you Christians are idiots. Your thoughts and your prayers mean nothing. Don't pray for those people in Florida. Thoughts and prayers means nothing. You Christians. And they point to this earth and say, this is all there is. And you're missing out. Come have some fun. Come sin with us. When the world says that, what are we to think? Well, saints, let me tell you what the holy apostles thought. 
one of us is right and one of us is wrong. And if they are right, listen, if they are right and we are wrong, then we are idiots. In this day of, you know, wokeness and political correctness, it's not fashionable fashionable to say hard things explicitly. You know, binaries must be destroyed. Nothing white, nothing black. Let's just spend a lot of time thinking about gray. Instead of dead or alive, let's spend a lot of time contemplating zombies. Instead of a man or a woman, you know, male and female created he them. Genesis. Instead of a man or a woman, let's spend our time considering transmorphodites or, or whatever the current word might be. But listen, beloved, St. Paul, the apostle, he's hung up on binaries. He seems to be hung up on binaries. In the very same chapter where he defines and documents his apostolic gospel, he writes, If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that He raised Christ from the dead. But He did not raise Him, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins." then those that have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only in this life we have hope in Christ, then we are of all people the most to be pitied. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 13 through 19, New International Version. So listen, rather than heed the call of postmodernism to shatter the binary... It seems that Paul puts everything in a binary. It's truth or lies. It's life or death. It's hope or futility. It's triumph or shame and pity. If they're right, friends, y'all are idiots. And I am too. Listen, let's just be explicitly honest and crystal clear, beloved. If the pagans are right, and this present evil world is all there is, if they're right, then we are wrong. And we are idiots. Pitiful idiots. But, but, saints, hear the Pauline Gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15, 
verses 3 and 4. The gospel affirms that Jesus said, I am the light, John 8, 12. And listen, the darkness tried to overcome the light. And it couldn't. Light prevailed. The gospel affirms that Jesus said, I am the life. John 14, 6. And death tried to conquer the life. And it couldn't. Life prevailed. He that had the power of death, that is, that dark prince, the devil, tried to overcome the light of the world. He tried to conquer the one that claims the title, the life, and he failed. And listen, the light still shines. The life lives. And listen, listen, that ultimate divine weapon, resurrection, which up until now has only been deployed tactically. It's set to be deployed strategically. Do you understand? According to Holy Scripture, we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord, Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 15, 51 through 58. That's the New International Version. Now listen. <laughs> Beloved, do you know why we're looking for a better country, for a new world, for a recreated earth. Do you know why? Well, it's because this world, this present evil world, it's condemned. It's destined for Holocaust. It's destined for destruction by fire. The Apostle Peter writes, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night <clears throat> in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy living 
and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, I told you you'd hear this again. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Second Peter 3 verses 10 through 13. This world, this present evil world is not our ultimate home. And why is this world condemned? Why? Well, hear the words of Jesus of Nazareth, the son of the living God. This is the condemnation. That light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth the truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. John 3, verses 19 through 21. Listen, friend, this world is condemned because the light came. The light came, and humanity rejected the light and embraced the darkness. So, Divine condemnation. You better hope this world, this present world, is not your home because it's going to burn. Friends, the beloved apostle calls the holy city Jerusalem. This same beloved apostle that wrote the prologue, he calls the holy city Jerusalem Sodom and Egypt. Revelation eleven eighteen. Now listen, how in the world did the holy city Jerusalem become Sodom and Egypt? Well, do you know? Do you know who was rejected? and mocked, and abused, and tortured, and murdered in Jerusalem? Well, at the end of that verse, where St. John speaks of the great city that he calls Sodom in Egypt, he writes, where also our Lord was crucified. Revelation eleven eight. That's why Jerusalem is called Sodom and Egypt. Because in the Hebraic mind, there's nothing worse than Sodom and Egypt. Those are dark and evil places. But not as dark, not as evil as Jerusalem, where the Son of the living God, the Prince of Glory was slaughtered where that perfect and sinless man was butchered at the hands of evil men. Think with me. Why did the Holocaust of AD 70 happen? A destruction so very complete that the city of Jerusalem was raised to a plain 
not one stone left standing upon another. Why? Why? Writing about that magnificent devastation in AD 70, Josephus records that the population of Jerusalem was swollen at the time that the siege began. Jews from all over Palestine had come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And when the Romans surrounded the city and began the siege, they couldn't escape. So the city was packed not only with all the local Jews, but with Jews from all the surrounding areas who had come to celebrate the Passover. Trapped. Packed. Josephus records that around 97,000 Jews were carried away captive. Of those, thousands were shipped to cities all across the empire and forced to become gladiators. So they were killed in the arenas fighting wild animals or other gladiators or just ruthlessly slaughtered in novel and cruel ways for the entertainment of the bloodthirsty Roman crowds. Some who were known to be criminals were burned alive. Others were sent to Seleucia where they served as slave labor and were worked to death digging a great tunnel for the Romans. Many were brought back to the capital city to Rome, where they were forced to build the so-called Forum of Peace, a park in the heart of Rome, and forced to build the Colosseum. Eventually, the menorah and the sacred table from the temple in Jerusalem were brought to Rome and exhibited in that Forum of Peace, (laughs) which had been constructed with Jewish slave labor, ironically. Now, you may think that 97,000 captives is, it's not that many. But Josephus, listen, Josephus records that 1.1 million people were killed during the three-year-long Roman siege. It's been recorded that when the city walls were breached, the Roman soldiers flooded in and executed all the aged and elderly and any that were in possession of arms killed on the spot. All the rest were sent to a sorting site where they were either summarily executed or were assigned to one of the other destinies that I just mentioned. Some modern historians have questioned Josephus's 1.1 million, saying that's too high. But Josephus anticipated that and defended it using ancient Roman census records for the area. Uh, it's doubtful. Doubtful it was that high. AD 70 was very early and saints, listen, we don't know if 1.1 million people died there in that siege or not. But listen, that's not the point. That's not my point. A whole lot of people died there. A lot. Horrifically. 
And the point is, all of it, all of it happened in accordance with Holy Scripture. As Jesus, the Savior, had prophesied in Matthew 24.2, in Mark 13.2, and in Luke 19.44, in Luke 21.6, not one stone will be left upon another. And when you see them surround, you better get out. And the Christians did. And it's doubtful that any Christians died. Now listen. Think with me again. What was AD 70? What was it except a righteous judgment against the immediate enemies of God who had brutalized and murdered His Son? Jesus said it was coming, and it happened just like He said. What was it? But the decimation of the Jewish people and their religion. And now, we've got synagogues around here. It's a joke. Judaism is a dead religion. But, listen friend, if that was a judgment against a city that brutalized and murdered the Son of God, what of this planet? If God is just, and He is, then in light of what happened here, how can this planet stand, friend? It can't. It's got to go. Do you understand? understand God came to planet earth as a man and what did we do we killed him we killed him read the parable about the vineyard keeper who sends his son what did they do exactly what we did Oh, here's the heir. Let's kill him. What think ye that that master shall do? Like Jerusalem in A.D. 70, friend, this dark world, this world which sought to extinguish the light, this world must be raised. And as we read the Holy Scripture, Peter assures us it will. It will be. He says it will burn. He says it will melt with fervent heat. He says it will be dissolved. You know what we need, friend? We need a new home. We need a new home because this place is going down. Now, I said I wanted to encourage you. And the testimony of Jesus and the holy apostles is we have one. Are you listening? We have one. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, you may be also. John 14, verses 2 and 3. And so, according to His promise, 
we look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Second Peter 3, verse 13. Beloved, listen. Death could not conquer the life. And darkness could not overcome the light. Could not and cannot. So, saints, listen, be encouraged. We are winning. We're winning, friends. I spoke to you last Lord's Day afternoon about a secret plan. A plan, one secret, that is secret no more. The divine plan was so secret that Satan thought he was winning. Yes, he thought he had one. (laughs) But then the victor emerged, triumphant. The power of death not able to hold him. Like an atom bomb. The resurrection power of the Almighty annihilated the power of death. And as mentioned earlier, listen, that was merely a tactical demonstration of what God can do. And beloved, a strategic strike is coming. Jesus our Savior is called the first fruits of them that slept. The first fruits of them that slept. The first one to ever come back from the dead. And first fruits, listen, implies other fruit, secondary fruit, tertiary fruit, much more fruit to come. And the apostolic teaching is the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 26. Beloved, listen, the light is still shining. The light is still shining. And like an atom bomb, the resurrection power of God is coming. And though we die, yet shall we live. This is the Christian hope, friend. And the teaching of the Bible is that when we are raised, we shall be like He is. Romans 6.9 teaches that since His resurrection, death has no more dominion over Jesus Christ. Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over Him. And we, Holy Scripture teaches, shall be like him. Now listen, immortality is not a characteristic of fallen humanity. Do you understand that? You're going to die, friend. You know why you're going to die? Because you've sinned. You're going to get paid your wages. The wages of sin is death. Immortality is not a characteristic of fallen humanity, but it is a characteristic of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the impeccable man. The sinless man. And in the resurrection, we shall be as he is. 
no longer subject to death. Death having no more dominion over us. He hath destroyed him that hath the power of death, comma, that is, the devil. And made an open show mocking him. Saints, listen, Satan's not happy. The Satan is not happy. For his time is short. And he's at work. He's making lots of trouble here, friend. Confusing our friends and our families and our countrymen. Making death. Mixing death and life. Making little boys think they're little girls. And little girls think they're little boys. And it's troubling. It's troubling. He's, listen, he's pulling out all the stops because we're winning. Do you understand this? Do you know when the executions and the massacres were the very worst in the Nazi death camps? Do you know when? It was right near the end. That's when it was the absolute worst. It was when Hitler realized that defeat was on his doorstep. The blessed Dietrich Bonhoeffer was imprisoned for about two years. But as the Allies approached, Hitler personally ordered his murder. Kill him now. Saints, listen, I don't know when our Savior will return. The way I read my Bible, it seems like Paul expected his return any day. And the teaching of Holy Scripture and the teaching of the saints of all ages is that it may be soon. It might be. And we should be vigilant. And we should be ready. We should be watchfully awaiting is the teaching of Holy Scripture. And sometimes, listen, sometimes I look around or I watch the news and I think, man, things are really bad. Do you? You look around sometimes and think, oh, things are really bad. But then recently, very recently, I visited the Colosseum of Rome. And I realized that my brothers and sisters, Christian converts of the first century, saw their brothers and their sisters crucified for ghastly entertainment and fed to starving lions. And it was all legal and sanctioned by the government. The games being organized by Caesar himself. And listen, even though these days seem dark to us sometimes, friend, listen, the light is still shining. We are winning. We are winning. Now, let me ask you something. What if our victory doesn't look like victory? Unless you can really, really see what's going on. Do you understand the question? What if our victory doesn't look like victory? Unless you can really, really, really see what's going on unless you have some secret intelligence. Do you think that could happen? Has it ever happened? 
Brandon, it's happened before. Are you listening? It's happened before. Satan and Pontius Pilate and Caesar, they thought they had put a big problem behind them when they executed the Son of God. Do you understand? He's dead now. Problem solved. Because they didn't understand resurrection. They didn't comprehend the almighty power of God. And he nuked them. What they thought was victory, friend, wasn't. It was not victory. Like a snake with his head cut off. Listen. Like a snake with his head cut off that continues to wriggle and writhe. Not understanding he's already dead. The Roman Empire continued to wriggle and writhe until AD 313 when with the edict of Milan, Caesar himself... Constantine the Great bowed to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and claimed the title Christian himself. The Roman Emperor said, I'm a Christian. Now I know that there are some theological issues and questions and controversies about Constantine. I know that. But the point I'm making now, listen, the point I'm making is that the massive and mighty empire that killed the Savior and persecuted his followers within three centuries of the resurrection was bowing to him. Was bowing to him. Acknowledging his lordship. And by the power of the imperial sword, stopping the slaughter of the Christians, stopping the persecution of his people, and encouraging citizens to join this religion. Worship Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God. And saints, listen, don't be discouraged, be encouraged. It's often the case that Christian victory is camouflaged and is only revealed, seen, and realized and recognized long after the victory has already been secured. We Christians, listen, we Christians, people of faith, we're supposed to be walking by faith, not by sight, aren't we? We're supposed to be. So let us not be looking to politicians or popular culture or self-sufficiency for our hope of salvation. It ain't there, friend. The truth now is the same as it's ever been. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is still of the Lord. Jonah chapter 2, verse 9. Our hope and our faith and our trust 
in Him. Remember our text, John chapter 1, verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Remember that Jesus said of Himself, I am the light of the world, John 8, 12. But remember another thing He said. He said it to His disciples, and, and, and we are His disciples. He said, you are the light of the world. <laughs> Matthew five fourteen. Well, wh- what is it? Well, what is it? Is Jesus the light of the world, or are we? Yes! Yes, He is, and we are. You remember that revealed mystery that was hidden from past ages and generations? Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27. Jesus is the light of the world, and Jesus is in us. And friend, that's why we can shine. He said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify my Father, which is in heaven. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. Listen, we shine because He shines. We shine because the sun, S-O-N, shines. Be encouraged. We are winning. My God, the spring of all my joys, the life of my delights, the glory of my brightest days and comfort of my nights. In darkest shades, if He appear, my dawning is begun. He is my soul's sweet morning star and He my rising sun. The opening heavens around me shine with beams of sacred bliss. When Jesus shows His heart is mine and whispers, I am His. My soul would leave this heavy clay at that transporting word. Run up with joy the shining way to embrace my dearest Lord. Fearless of hell and ghastly death, I'd break through every foe. The wings of love and arms of faith shall bear me conquering through. Please stand with me for prayer. Saints, be aware. Our God is a warrior. The best. Victory sometimes doesn't look like victory. We are winning. A strategic strike is coming. Resurrection power. Let's pray.
My Father, enlarge my heart. Warm my affections. Open my lips. Supply the words that proclaim love lusters at Calvary. There, grace removes my burden and heaps them on thy Son. Made a transgressor, a curse, made sin for me. That the sword of thy justice smote the man, thy fellow. There, thy infinite attributes were magnified, and infinite atonement was made. There, infinite punishment was due, and infinite punishment was endured. Christ was all anguish, that I might be all joy. Cast off, that I might be brought in. Trodden down as an enemy, that I might be welcomed as a friend. Surrendered to hell's worst, that I might attain heaven's best. Stripped, that I might be clothed. Wounded, that I might be healed. A thirst, that I might drink. Tormented, that I might be comforted. Made a shame, that I might inherit glory. Entered darkness, that I might have eternal light. My Savior wept, that all tears might be wiped from my eyes. Groaned that I might have endless song, endured all pain, that I might have unfading health. Bore a thorny crown, that I might have a glory diadem. Bowed his head, that I might lift mine. Experienced reproach, that I might receive welcome. Closed his eyes in death, that I might gaze on unclouded brightness. Expired that I might forever live. O Father, who spared not Thine only Son, that Thou mightest spare me, all this transfer Thy love designed and accomplish. Help me to adore Thee by my lips and by my life. O that my every breath might be ecstatic praise, that my step might be buoyant with delight, as I see my enemies crushed. Satan baffled, defeated, confused, destroyed. My sin buried in the ocean of reconciling blood. Hell's gates restrained, heaven's portal open. Oh, go forth, conquering God, and show me the cross, mighty to subdue, mighty to comfort, mighty to save. In Jesus' name. Amen.